How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. I'm in studio. Must be. I must be. This is an applause. A thunderous applause. It's like thunder and applause. I'm more shy at my house when we're recording on Zoom. I'm, I'm less vocal. Yeah. Well, uh, there's probably reasons for that. It's, still it's my a, home domain. Yeah, exactly. It's an IM. We adjust to the different domains. That's right. You know. And here we are in our home away from home. Here we are. So, Mark, how's your week been? Great. Great. Weather's been great. Yeah. Staycation-ish. Oh, right? really? Well, it's school vacation week, oh, so right. it's always a little more relaxed i guess so did some yard work it's been beautiful hmm. digging into that right to farm town that we live in yeah yeah this is an amazing time of the year i, I tell you my my wife you know is working so hard in the in the yard it, it's worrisome a little bit the way it, there's just so much to do you know i enjoy it do you it's very meditative for me yeah I think that I have a lot of farmer in me. Hmm. Definitely some redneck. Huh. Uh-huh. Definitely some redneck. Is that because of the sun? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Like working outside, like getting the sun on my neck. Yeah. My redneck. That's that's part of what it is. It's an I am. And that's the thing. You know, we're going to spend the next few weeks, folks, really talking about the I am in, in some depth and the applications of it in our everyday world so not just theoretical stuff and you know we've had wonderful guests come in who at the end of the show talk about you know the small change and you know what influence they want to be but over the next few weeks what I'm really hoping for is that we have some people on the show who are talking about how the I am has truly influenced their lives how they've applied it on a daily basis and the changes made because it's not that difficult to do. It really isn't. It's something that anyone can do once you understand a little bit about the four domains and that we are responding to them the best we can. It's a little bit of a radical idea, don't you think? Mm. That we're actually doing the best we can. How many how many times do we hear, yeah, you know, you should be doing better? Mm. And when you hear that, how does that you think make someone feel that they should be doing better? Broken. Like, broken, less value. It's amazing, and, and I really think that that is just part of, of human nature in many ways. Why? I think it's part of human nature because we have been a very competitive society for a long time. And because we've been so competitive, we form these tribes, mm. these groups, so that we have uh, access to each other as a way of protecting each other against a perceived outgroup. So there's the in-group and the outgroup, and how those things continue to conflict with each other. Think about how the I am can influence 
your world with the four domains, the home domain, the social domain, the I see, how I see myself, how I think other people see me, and how that then affects your biological domain of your brain and body, and how those things then will translate again into some of the behaviors and actions that you do in the two external domains of your home and social domain. And it's actually happening right now. We have a, a call-in guest from Veterans Voice. Wolfie's on the line, and I'm so glad you're calling in. How's the drive, Wolfie? Uh, it's, it's, I don't pay any attention to the drive because I'm listening to you. The car is on autopilot. Ah. So it's worked out really well for me because I really don't read. I'm really dyslexic. So I listen to you every, every week coming home. So after all these years, a little of it is actually sunk in. It actually works. So, so tell, and, me, um, yeah, tell me what, what, you, what you think of the I am and how would you describe it and how are you applying it? Um, let me tell you more how I apply it because I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor of a psychology. Actually, everyone says I am. So what, what, what sunk in with me is the two things. One is the small changes, and um, you know, change no one but influence anyone. That really started to change my perspective. And the singly most important thing, you, you know, I'm in a disaster world. So I see people during the fires, during the floods, during the worst times in their lives, and. What I noticed is, and, and we run a lot of events, you know, the food drive-throughs out of the, uh, the car shows, all of that. People want to feel valued. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. That affects every domain. And since the show, it's made me think about it. And at each event, I try and think of what would make, and I would never do this before I was listening to you, is what would make each person feel valued in what's happening. And... It, it's a thoughtful process. I'm, I'm, I'm on Heartbreak Hill with, for Boston Marathon, Boston uh, BAA Medical. I've always high-fived people as triage and made them feel good. This year, I thanked every person who is wearing a bib that they're running for charity. Every person that I said, I said thank you or I pointed to the bib came over, hugged me, shook my hand, and said, thank you for that. I'm happy to do it. And if it wasn't for you making me think about that, that affected probably 8,000 people, hmm. literally 8,000 people. I mean, it's exciting. And we came up with a little thing to give a person a stuffed animal during disaster. And I said, I'm sorry this happened. Red Cross is here to help. I kiss them with a stuffed animal. It changes their whole attitude, their whole thought, because they're saying, you're valued, you're important, we're here to help. Yeah. And that's and been absolutely life-changing for everyone involved. Jesus, for me, I come home, instead of feeling there's a terrible tragedy, I feel like I help some people. And and just an, another thing to go with that, while I'm, is like we feed 800 people on Thanksgiving. So you can get people to say, do this, do this, boss them around, yell at everybody. What I do is I ask the people, what do you like to do? I mean, I have this brilliant idea. I have chefs cook the chef's I'm thrilled to cook. Mm -hmm. If I ask them to deliver food, they're going to be mad at me. They say that's ridiculous and not come back. So that I am approach of just thinking how does it affect all the domains, what makes the people feel valued, really works. 100% of the time, it works. So that, thank you for that. And, and thank you, Wolfie, for applying it. What's it like for you when they say thank you to you for just acknowledging uh, them? Yes. That's absolutely vital. Um, and, and my Susan, you know, I get some awards, and she said, Craig Wolfie doesn't, you know, think he wants to get the awards, but it's vital that he hears 
that the work he's doing is noticed and valued. So it's actually vital that I get that feedback that shows me that I did a good job. Yeah. And, and that's so vital. Yeah, it, it is. And, and that's part of what the I am is about. At, at every and any moment, you can remind someone of their value. And whenever yes. you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out because that's been an important thing because when you do a number of things and you don't get thanked for it, or you know, it's not like a trip to Paris. You know, my friends say, get a haircut, you're a jerk, which means you did a terrific job. So it's not exactly what you're saying, but it's that you're being recognized for doing a good job. You don't have to have a, uh, you know, a trophy. But that part is very important, and if you don't get that feedback, you stop doing it. Or, or you know, I deal with a lot of tragedies, and because of that positive feedback both ways i'm i'm not affected you know adversely by the cha- the tragedies on account of that mm. so that's incredible mental health stuff i never realized all that you know i kind of did some of that of self-defense but now i'm doing it on purpose yeah. so thank you very much for that well thank you wolfie for for the application of it because that's what we're really trying to to focus on over the next few weeks is how you can do this every day in every way with people by just sort of wondering who they are, why they do what they do without judging them. And in the, in the midst of tragedy, the folks that, that you're working with, their limbic systems are, are in survival mode. And yeah. you yeah, get really to share down. that anxiety with them, that sadness, that anger. And as soon as you share it, as soon as you mind someone of their value, you actually shift their brain back into the prefrontal cortex because you're increasing oxytocin and you're, you're reminding them you're not alone. You're not alone in this. We are one group and we're going to manage all of these things together. One of my dear friends, uh, Ken Duckworth, you know, working with NAMI has has written a book called You Are Not Alone. Um, and it's just, you know, recognizing that we can do this together. Wolfie, we, we've spent so much time in, in our lives as a species increasing our value by decreasing somebody else's. You know, yeah, I hate that. We've all seen that. You know? Yeah. And that... And, 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 you know, I'm sorry. I was just going to say thank you for the medical. That's You should be a doctor. You should study enough to be a doctor. I see skin, because I might not be a doctor. I see actually a change in the skin color of the person. Some good color comes back to their faces when they get a kiss from a stuffed animal or they get a hug or they get, you know, like I said, point to the... To the um, the charity that they're running from to their shirt, their color actually comes back to their face. That's no baloney. What you just said, whatever the hell you just said, that that's absolutely true. That really works. It's it and is people true. Have seen, people, people have seen it, Doc, and will say to me, Wolfie, what the hell did you just do? They were absolutely non-responsive. You gave them a hug, you gave them a stuffed animal, you gave them a little kibitz, and they have color back in their face and they're talking. How the hell did you do that? I don't know how I did that. I just did what I said. That's all. And it's well, absolutely true. Well, well, well there, there is the, the neuroscience behind it because what, what you're working with is people who are in the stress response, the cortisol response, which is going to affect their blood pressure. You know, because they are in a survival mode, they're facing saber-toothed tigers, they've got to increase their heart rate, increase their breathing, they've got to 
increase their blood pressure. So as soon as you calm people down, the whole system begins to relax. The whole system. So people can start feeling safer. They can breathe easier. Their cortisol response goes down. So, you know, what you're doing is having a massive effect through the IC domain, how other people think you see them on their biological domain. And what's cool about it, Wolf, is we can all do it. We can all do this for each other. That's, that's the brains that we have. That's the social interaction that we have. And it's rewarding. I think it's way more it rewarding. Really, you know. Yeah, it, re- it really is rewarding. You know, you say the thing, it's Red Cross, you know, they're terrific and stuff, but there's a whole lot of forms to fill out. And I've been telling everybody, I've been using the slogan, get everybody safe, warm, and dry before you fill out the forms. So people don't do that. The, the people are absolutely non-responsive. They're trying to fill out a form. I said, if you do what we just talked about, they'll fill the form out for you. I said, you're four minutes away from from safe, warm, and dry, and then they'll tell you what they need. You don't have to ask them anything. And, boy, you, you, your system works, Dr. Joe. That, my expression is safe, warm, and dry. What were you just saying? You're making the people feel safe and valued. Yeah. So... I'm, I'm here to tell everybody, and, and I'm not a baloney guy. I don't know all the stuff that Dr. Joe, that 100% works 100% of the time. Yeah. Thank you, Wolfie. I, I really appreciate it. And, and folks, you know, uh, Veterans Voice is a remarkable show. It's reaching out to folks in need who have served our country and who sometimes have seen the most horrendous things which includes other people dying. And no matter what training we have, that is a powerful thing. It's a reminder of our mortality, but also it can be disheartening. No pun intended, but it really can be. So, you know, Veterans Voice is a, is a great show. We're so honored to, to be the, the follow-up to it because you guys really lay the foundation of respect. You know? So thank you. Um, um, I, you got to keep talking because I have a half hour left to get home. So don't stop okay. learning we, stuff every time. We will do that. <laughs> we, listen into us, Wolfie. We really appreciate it, and we'll we'll see you uh, in the next few weeks. And keep tuning into the Doctor Joe Show. Take care. Drive safe. Bye. Bye. He's the best, isn't he? Yeah. Such a good human being. Yeah. He lights up the room every time he walks in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that energy. Yeah. So what is that? That that I that energy that it's compassion, right? It's caring. Kindness. Valuing people. Valuing people. Authentically. Yeah. Putting yourself out there. It's in all of us that ability. And and we have spent so much time suppressing it, having to change it, having to think we need to do something different. I mean, I, I can tell you, you know, you know, in medical school, it's incredibly competitive. It's competitive to get into medical school. Mm-hmm. Once you're in medical school, there's a sense of competition. But our medical director of the school in Cincinnati, the first class, when we're all getting oriented, she puts an equation up on the board. P equals MD. 
All you need to do is pass these courses, and you will be a physician. Mm. You don't need to get A's. You don't need to get B's. Just pass them, and you will become a physician. And the idea was meant to be a message. Enjoy this. Relax. Absorb it. Enjoy it. And unfortunately, still so many people were so competitive. In a way that the thought process is, if I can step on this person, I will get to the higher point faster. Yeah. As opposed to we can all rise together with the tide. Yeah. So you, why do you think that is? Um, well, I, I think it has some deep evolutionary roots. Again, um, deep, deep evolutionary roots. Because, as I mentioned before, we weren't the biggest animal, the fastest, or the strongest. We were isolated mammals scurrying around, hoping not to be lunch. We were the prey. We were on high alert all the time that something was going to hurt us. So in order to respond to that, we alert. We react very quickly. Human beings are designed to recognize changes. We are designed to recognize the difference between two things. Because we need to know if that bush behind me is beginning to rustle, there may be a predator in it. So human beings, our brains are absolutely designed to compare sets of information. Important for survival, but sometimes, and what has happened is we've compared sets of information so much that we have created separate groups and compared them. But classmates are part of the same group. To an extent, but what are classmates thinking? They're thinking, what will happen next if we do this now? Will I survive? Will I be able to get the job? Will I be able to get the better product? So we were talking, so what's, what's different? So why, why is this I am important? Because we weren't these big animals. We were the prey. And then we formed the social groups. And in a social group, you can really share a lot of information with each other. So if somebody sees the rustling in the bush and you don't see it, you may still survive. Uh-huh. That's right. There because that other answer. person, as part of your group, wants you to survive. As long as I run faster than you. That's right. That's one of the things. Yeah. <laughs> but think about it. You know. We, we've talked about the exercise before. So, folks, you know, if you're not driving and you're, you know, listening to this and you're with somebody that you're listening with, just both stand up and stand back to back. When you stand back to back, look around. Don't don't move around. Just move your head from side to side and then look straight ahead. And talk with the other person who's behind your back what you see. You know that you see stuff that they don't see because they can't look behind themselves. But between the two of you, you see the entire room. You see the whole 360 degrees. You literally have each other's back. That's what we are as social animals. But to access the protection of that group, you must contribute something. You can't just, you know, take it and not give anything back because that's not fair. 
So in order to contribute something, you have to have value. That's what the contribution is. It's adding value to your group. It's adding survival potential to your group. So when we begin to think we are less valuable, it activates that old primitive fight-flight-freeze response in our limbic brain, and we exercise and enact the cortisol response, which is stress. And what we now know is cortisol interferes with a couple of chemicals. One is dopamine, which is a neurohormone of pleasure, very hard to feel pleasure when you're under stress. And the other is oxytocin, not oxycontin, oxytocin, the neurohormone of trust. Very hard to trust things when you're under stress. We have a lot of stress in the world. We have a lot of stress, which can explain the conflicts that we have, the lack of pleasure and the mistrust that we have at a global level. But that's just the brain. We can do something different. That's what the I am is for. The I am is saying that even that stress response, that's your I am. That's the best you can do. Remember, the I am is saying we are at a current maximum potential. I'm doing the best I can at this moment with the potential to change in the very next second to another best I can. It's real, but it's radical because it's a shift in our paradigm. It's, in a, sh it's a shift in the way we see ourselves. We all have seen ourselves as less than, but that was still our I am. That was the best we could do. Why? Why do I need to be more than I am? It doesn't mean that you can have to accept who you are or condone it, but let's look again at why you do what you do. The words, look again, you've heard me say it so many times, reverse them, again look. Again, to repeat something, look like a spectator. Let's respect who we are, why we do what we do, and apply that to everyone. Let's respect everyone to try to understand who they are and why they do what they do without that judgment. Respect leads to value, which we all want, and that value leads to trust, which we have the ability to garner in each other, to, to create in each other. As soon as you listen to someone, as soon as you're interested, as soon as you're showing them that you're interested, you're valuing them. And they feel less danger. And with less danger, that's where trust is. And then you really can share. You don't have to agree with someone. You can still respect them without having to agree with them. Wouldn't that be nice if we started having those conversations? So I'm, I'm curious. We've been doing this for a while, but... but there must have been a time when you first heard about the I am. What did you think when you first heard about it? So it impacted me right away. Um, if we replay the the uh, machine, the time machine, when I first met you, I realized there was something special about you as a human being. No. Well, truly. And, you know, it's it was it's that it factor, right? So it's immediately connection, whatever energies, what have you, but the Talking to you with you, nice. Talking Thank with you, you. right? Um, I've you know I've studied, I've worked on myself, uh, the self help books, the gurus. I've listened to them all. I've absorbed a lot of it, and uh, so I'm a student of it. And what you're 
explaining is right there. But I think it's beyond the self-help category. Um, I feel it's more in the help others category. Agreed. In order to help yourself category, uh, if there was that category. So, like Wolfie was saying earlier, and with emphasis, it works in so many ways, right? So you're helping others feel valuable. It's a lot of worse things you can do in the day than to help others feel valuable. And when you make them feel valuable, well, guess what? You feel valuable. And that's where it really works. And then it becomes contagious and it's a wonderful place. If everyone was aware of it, and like you said, it's very simple, right? Keep it super simple, the KISS method, right? But it's more difficult to continue to sharpen the saw and work on yourself and think about it. What did I just say? You know, the one of the things that resonates when you're talking with guests or our audience or myself is words matter. Yeah. You talk about how much they matter all the time. And that pauses me, right? I think more purposefully, how is what I'm about to say going to affect the person across from me? And in essence, it becomes a self-awareness wake-up call, right? Okay, step back. Ooh, that interchange could have went a lot better. And as you sharpen your saw and you get better and you become more courageous and more vulnerable and you you know, think more purposefully about the words, it changes everything. It changes how you think. It changes how you behave. It changes how you view other people. And it's an enlightenment, for lack of a better term. But it's not easy to understand, hmm. even as simple as it is, because you really have to dig into your own self and you have to be vulnerable and self-aware to say, hmm, maybe I'm wrong. Let me enter this conversation with that in my head. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. My prejudgment about what this person's about to say or what this person is thinking or any of the above maybe I'm wrong. Let me go into this thinking maybe I'm wrong hmm. for a moment. And it, it really has a dramatic effect on your prejudgments, right? Why are they reacting the way they are? I assume it's because of this. Well, guess what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something else going on. And if I stop thinking about what I'm thinking about me and start thinking more deeply about them, it creates that value, right? That respect. And then it eliminates conflict, truly. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing because I've had a couple conversations with colleagues of mine about the art of litigation. You know, how we got here. Why are we still fighting with one another so viciously? And I think that there is a 
path in the not-so-far future where that goes away. Mm-hmm. Litigation, the practice of going to court and advocating against another. Because I think there's technologies that are coming along that are going to allow for smart contracts, if you will. This is blockchain technology. But no room for misinterpretation. But more importantly, the generations that are coming up behind us are more evolved. Mm -hmm. They're less limbic. Mm -hmm. And they look at these disputes and these fights and let's drop the gloves as barbaric and primitive. Mm -hmm. And I think there's going to be a lot more room for alternative resolutions as opposed to going to court. And, you know, that threatens certain colleagues who this is their livelihood. How could you think that this would go away? This is human nature. This is how people behave. They always have drawn lines in the sand. Uh, to, to go back for a moment, do you think that the I am has helped you wonder if you're wrong? Yes. Because the I am. Well, is based... I think it's it's intertwined. Yeah, because the I am is saying, you know, this you're always doing the best you can, so you're okay, and that means it's easier to look at maybe I'm wrong. Right. Right. Because it doesn't mean you're flawed. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're less than. As a matter of fact, what it really means is that you're open to looking at somebody else's perspective. And it creates the courage and the trust. And the trust. That's right. You know, you're trusting yourself, too. Yeah. yeah. To be vulnerable and to open and say, maybe, yeah. and maybe just, I'm wrong. I'm yeah. not going to pre-think this through. Like, I don't know what's in your mind. Right. I can assume, but I'm probably wrong. So mm-hmm. let's have a conversation first. Yeah. So that's a small change that we can all make. But in order to be able to get there, you have to understand you're doing the best you can. That's your I am. This is your current maximum potential. This is who I am. This is me. I matter. And you really do. You control no one. You influence everyone. You get to choose. Think, what kind of influence do you really want to be? Not just on your in-group, but also the out-group. We'll chat next week on The Dr. Joe Show. Love it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Larry. And thank you, all my listeners. Have a great week, everybody. That's it.